0: There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, we have the privilege of having a brief Bible study together. Now, each Saturday, we are offering on the weekend pulpit a full-length Bible message that's been given recently in some local church or gospel event. And my prayer is that God will use the Word of God to encourage you in a very special way today. This particular series of messages is very special and dear to my heart because it comes from my life book, the book of Philippians, the book of Christian joy, where the Lord says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. And the Lord used these Bible messages to help us all learn to enjoy the journey. Amen. I like it. Well, good to see all of you tonight, and we've got a number of visitors, and that's good, and I want to just get this out of the way right up front. Don't mind these people on this side because they handle snakes at their church. (laughs) No, it's great to see all of you. A lot of friends here tonight, and a couple of my favorite preachers are here, and that's Brother Landrum and Brother Plowman, and I appreciate these men coming our way, and bringing folks with them, and good to see all of you home folks back tonight. We had a great day yesterday, wonderful day. Lots of visitors here and people saved and thrilled about that, what God is doing. And uh, God is using this pastor and this church, and I'm just excited to be a part of it for a couple of days. And uh, I hope you'll pray with them for the good goodness of God in the days ahead. I believe their greatest days are ahead of them. And uh, at least they can get the roadblock out of the way, right? When the pastor got pulled over, honestly, that's a story I'm going to use. I have more strange things happen to me in South Georgia than anywhere else I travel to. And so I've had a good time. We've had a lot of fun together. How many of you have had a long day today? Would you raise your left hand, your other left? Good. I've asked several people tonight coming in, how was your day? And they said, it was Monday. (laughs) Yeah, it was Monday. And so uh, nudge your neighbor and tell them it's preaching time. It's time to wake up and put all that aside. And let's give the Lord our undivided attention. Where in the Bible would you like to go tonight? Good. Well, let's go to Philippians then, all right? Somebody said, what kind of preacher is this? He lets the audience pick the text. It's all the Word of God. It's all wonderful. We're walking through Philippians, and we've walked through Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2, so I think that means we're supposed to be in Philippians chapter 3. How many of you read it today? Good, wonderful. And if you can read Philippians chapter 4 before the meeting tomorrow night, that would be a great thing. I've told you already this is my favorite book of the Bible, but let me go a little further with that. Philippians chapter 3 is my favorite chapter of my favorite book of the Bible, and I really mean that. Because this chapter, years ago, as a very young man, changed my Christian life. And I am praying tonight that the Lord will use it to help every one of us take the next step in our Christian life at this moment. You know, people say they want a revival. I wonder what they mean by that. Uh, people say, we need a revival, preacher. What does that mean? Explain that to me. Does it mean you want more people in the building? You want to better chill up your spine during the service? You want... What does that mean? A better Monday? Let me tell you what real revival does. It changes us. It changes us. It makes us more like Jesus. And I wonder tonight before we read the Scripture, because when I finish preaching tonight, I'm going to ask you to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I, I'm not, that's not my business. I don't know what the next step is for you. But I believe God has a next step for every one of us. And I I wonder if you'll take your next step when we're done tonight. And I wonder as we approach Philippians chapter 3, if you're ready for God to be specific with you. Don't we love these general things? Like when the preacher gets up and says, live for God. And everybody says, amen, preacher. How? We say, serve the Lord. Good. How are you serving the Lord? Let me tell you something about God. I believe God doesn't speak in generalities. He gets specific. And I'm praying God will get specific with us tonight. Look at Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Finally, my brethren. (laughs) Let me stop. Let me just stop there for a second. Isn't that just like a Baptist preacher? He says finally, and he's only halfway through his sermon. Look at it. He's got two more chapters to go. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I think really what he's saying, not that this is the last thing, but this is the bottom line. He says, let me cut through everything and just tell you, you ought to be a happy Christian. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow night. And for the record, I don't believe being a holy Christian and a happy Christian are mutually exclusive. You don't disconnect them, they go together. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Would you do something? Would you take your pen and circle the word same and the word safe and connect the two in your Bible? And let me tell you a little spiritual truth here you're going to find later in this same chapter, and that is the same things are the safe things. We live in a world today where everybody wants some new thing. Tell me some new thing, preacher. Did you know that's nothing new? Even that's not new. As a matter of fact, you find in the book of Acts and The city of Athens, they spend all their time either to tell or hear some new thing. That sounds a lot like America to me. And churches want some new thing. We don't need a new thing. We need a fresh touch from God. Truth is not new. It is the eternal truth. And Paul says, I just want you to know, it doesn't bother me in the least to repeat myself to you. I said, it doesn't bother me in the least to repeat myself to you. Why? Because it's the truth of God. Same things. Look at verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. He's talking about empty religion. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Do you notice that in this happy book, and it is a happy book, 18 times joy is mentioned or rejoicing is mentioned in this one little letter, but in this happy book, he gives a warning. This, this joyful Christianity that doesn't warn you about sin is not the Christianity of the Bible. You see, joyful people are the people that know, hey, there's some things I need to stay away from. And so he says we have no confidence in the flesh, verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. I've marked in my Bible in verse 3, no confidence, and in verse 4, confidence. And I've written in the margin of my Bible, this is the great battle of life. It really is the great battle of all of life. Am I either going to trust me or am I going to say, I can't trust me, I better trust Jesus? It's either no confidence in the flesh or confidence in the flesh. Paul says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I love verse 7. But what things were gained to me? Those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but lost For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him. I like this. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. May I pause just a moment and tell you that's my story too. That's your story. We stand in the rags of our own righteousness as, and we say, Dear Lord, I can't come in your presence like this. And God says, All right. It's all right. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take your rags and you take the robe of Christ's righteousness. All the garments of salvation. And there's nothing like knowing Jesus as you're saved. Then you come to verse 10. That I may know him. Wait a minute, Paul, don't you know him already? Oh, I know him, but I don't know him like I want to know him. I know him, but I don't know him like I ought to know him. I know him, but I don't know him like I'm going to know him. And if you think, well, I know him, I'll remind you that Paul was about 65 years of age when he wrote this and had been saved for more than 30 years. How many of you have been saved for more than 30 years? Would you raise your hand? just curious. Look at that. Do you know the danger? Do you know the danger? People have been saved a long time and raised in church, been around all their life, and even know the book of Philippians. Did you know you can know the book of Philippians and not know him? It's dangerous to get content with where you are in your Christian life. I meet people sometimes and they say, you know, preacher, i got 40 years of experience with the Lord. I mean, because they got saved 40 years ago. Then you start talking to them, asking a few questions, and you find out they don't have 40 years of experience with the Lord. They got 20 years of experience with the Lord because 20 years ago they stopped taking the next step. My pastor used to say all of us are stuck at the last place we refused to obey God. Where are you stuck tonight? Paul said, I'm going further that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus." I want you to do something tonight. I want you to take your pen, and I want you to underline in the heart of verse number 12, three little words. Paul's testimony, he says, "I follow after." Would you say those words with me, please? I follow after." Turn to somebody on one side of you and tell them, "I follow after." Ready? I? No, that's pitiful. Dead Methodist. What's wrong with you people? Tell them again like you mean it. Ready, here we go. I follow. After. Now, turn to the person on the other side of you. Get your preaching finger out. Point at that center and tell them. Ready? I follow after. And look back at me. What am I preaching on tonight? Right. You say, I don't know. We're waiting to hear what you're preaching on. I'm preaching on these three little words. I follow after. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about taking the next step with Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to me that the Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest Christian that had ever lived, had been knowing the Lord this long, and still, still thanks. you know, I'm still not there. And let me just tell you for the record, if Paul hadn't arrived, I guarantee you, you haven't. If he's not yet apprehended, I know Scott Paul is not yet apprehended. You see, the Christian life is not a prayer. It might begin with a prayer. But it is not a prayer. It's a way of life. It is not an event, no, no, it's a walk. It is not just a moment in time where you first come to know the Lord Jesus. That's that's the beginning, not the end. It really is a journey. For years I've been using that little expression, enjoying the journey, because I heard Dr. Curtis Hudson say years ago, he said, I know I'm going to enjoy the destination, but I got an idea I'm supposed to enjoy the journey. How many of you know we're going to enjoy heaven? Hey, you're going to enjoy the destination. No problem there. But God designed the Christian life so that not only are you going to enjoy him then, watch this please, you're supposed to be enjoying him now. I'm not talking about taking the next step for Christ. I'm talking about taking the next step with Christ because Christ is with you and the journey you're making from here to glory is a journey with the Son of God. You're on the trail. You're on the path. Which mile marker are you at? Well, wherever you are, Jesus says, let's go a little further. Wherever you are, let's go to the next mile, Mark. Let's go the second mile. Amazing thing about the Christian life, there's always a place to start. That's right where you are. But there is never a place to stop. The only time there's going to be a place to stop is when you wake up in the very presence of Jesus Christ and he's made you just like him, you can stop then. Because that day, you won't need to grow anymore. The Lord will have perfected that which concerns you. Isn't that going to be a glorious day? But until that day, you're still on the journey, which means there's still another step to take. How many of you are alive? Would you raise your hand? You're alive. If you're breathing, this is for you. If you're saved and know the Lord, there's another step for you. Why do you think? Why do you think in Scripture repeatedly we're told to walk? Walk in love. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in light. Why walk? Because watch this, please. Walking is not something you do once and stop. It's something you keep on doing. You don't get out of bed in the morning, take one step and say, Well, I got that out of the way for the day. Go back to bed. Maybe you do that occasionally. But <laughs> at some point, you've got to take the next step and the next and the next. On July the 27th, 1989, as a young man, I sat in a meeting on a Thursday night. And God let me know he wanted me to surrender my life to him. And I really battled. I'm just telling you, I really battled. There's a lot of people there that night. The place was packed. I was sitting in the farthest corner of the building. I was on a chair. Not still sure why I was there, but I was on a chair by myself under the balcony, all alone, just battling with God. You ever been there? And the Lord said, you need to surrender your life. And I said, no. I argued with him. That's not an argument you can win. I looked down that aisle. That aisle seemed like a long aisle. And I thought, you know, I don't want to walk down that aisle. I'll just pray here. And the Holy Spirit said, this is your night. Leave where you are. Make it public. And I looked down that aisle. And you know what I did? Watch, please. I did this. Let's review. This is what I did. I took one step. One step. You know the funny thing? I don't really remember the walk down the aisle. Watch this, please. When I took one step of obedience to God, the Lord met me on that step. And the Lord helped me to keep taking the next step. Do You know what the Christian life is? Look, look, this is deep. You ready? Take good notes. You ready? This is the Christian life. Watch, this is the Christian life. It's always taking the next step. You ever look at where you are in your Christian life and look at where you ought to be and get discouraged? I do. I mean, honestly, as a, as a 42, almost 43-year-old man, I'm looking at my life, honestly, at this juncture, and I'm not talking about preaching or ministry. I'm just talking about my Christianity. You know the hard thing is not being a preacher, it's being a Christian. I'm talking about just living the Christian life sometimes. And I look at my prayer life, and I and I look at certain things in my life, and I think, dear Lord, I should be further along on this journey. And you know what the devil does, the accuser of the brethren? He takes that, and he beats you over the head with it and says, well, you know, you're right. You haven't made it this far. You're not going to make it any further. Why don't you just stop where you are? I mean, good night. You're further along the journey than most people anyhow. I mean, look at everybody else. I mean, you've taken more steps than they have. I mean, just stop. Settle in. And I want to tell you something, that's a very dangerous place to be, very dangerous place to be. There's a time in the Christian life early on where everybody wants to take the next step. Somebody gets saved, a new convert gets saved, like our buddy on Sunday. And you say, you need to be baptized. he all right, I'll get baptized. That's just the next step. I'll take it. And then somebody says, you know, you need a Bible. Here's a Bible. Start reading the Bible. All right, I'll take it. And you need to pray. All right, I'll take it. I'll Join the church. okay. Uh, Here's some gospel tracts. Go tell somebody about Jesus. All right, I'll start passing them out. And the early days of the Christian life, you know what everybody does? They just keep taking the next step, next step, next step, next step, until finally somewhere along the way the Holy Spirit says, now this is the next step for you. And they say, wait a minute. I think I've done quite enough. Let's not get radical about this thing. And on that day, watch what happens. Instead of doing this, they do this. And they draw a line in the sand, and they say to the Lord, Now, Lord, I'm a Christian. That's as far as I'm going to go. And I want you to know on that day, that person stops growing. You know the funny thing? Everybody says to me when I go in and out of churches week after week, You know, preacher, we really want our church to grow. We really want our church to move forward. We want our church to advance. We believe God's got more for our church. We want our church to go to the next level. Can I tell you how churches take the next step? When the individuals in the church take the next step of obedience to God. See, the step of obedience for everybody is going to be different, but when everybody says, by the grace of God, I'm going on for the Lord, I'm following after, I'm not there yet, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, then that's a people that God will bless and use. Sometimes I look at where I am and where I ought to be and I say, Lord, what's wrong with me? Let me tell you what I've learned. If every day of my life I can take at least one step of obedience to God, watch this please, then this time next year at the very least, I'll be 365 steps closer to being the Christian that God saved me to become. Do not settle for where you are and do not stop taking the next step in your Christian life. So, how do you do it? Well, let's begin in verse number 12 and just walk through the end of this chapter, and I'm going to give you some things to write down. Here's how you take the next step. First of all, read verse number 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number one, would you write this down? If you're going to take the next step, number one, you've got to constantly take one step. Now look at it. Look at the expression in verse number 13, this one thing I do. Can I just tell you before I tell you what the step is? This is a step you never arrive at. You know what he's talking about, this one thing he does? He's talking about his personal pursuit of Christ, his daily fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you, no matter how much Bible you learn, you will never know Christ as well as you should. And I'm going to tell you why that is, because you can't exhaust an infinite God. You can't plumb the depths of a God who is everlasting. There's all Matter of fact, I, I believe theologically, I'm, I'm on safe ground here, but I'm going to tell you what I believe. Everybody says when we go to get to heaven, we're going to know everything. No, we're going to know even as we're known. I'm, I believe this. I believe we're going to spend the rest of eternity learning more about our God. I believe that. Do you know why? Because we are finite people, and he is an infinite God. But you ought not wait till you get to glory to come to know him personally. One thing you ought to do every day is you ought to seek the Lord in prayer and through His Word and in a devotional life, desire to be nearer to God. Number one, we begin with one thing. And by the way, it's interesting that Jesus would say to Martha, one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. It's a great cross-reference to this one thing I do. It is the step of basic fellowship with God, walking with the Lord every day. I, I fear something. I fear that too many Christians are waiting for the perfect revival meeting. They're waiting for some evangelists to blow through town, preach the best sermon they've ever heard, which, by the way, you're not going to get that this week, get a chill up their spine, pray a prayer, and suddenly, boom, shakalaka, they are the Christian they're supposed to be. Somebody said, I got the lightning bolt from glory. Now I'm the Christian I'm supposed to be. Friend, that's not the way you get nearer to God. Let me tell you you get nearer to God. Every day, you get out of bed, open the Word of God, and seek the face of the Lord. And I tell you, you do that one thing, and you'll go further with the Lord than if you went to a revival meeting every week of your life. It's not about you and the preacher. It's about you and God. The Christian life may start with one big step, but it's one big step followed by lots of little steps. And we got a whole bunch of Christians who want want to say, take one big step for the Lord, but they're not willing to take the little steps every day of their life. And I want you to know, you're never going to move forward like that. Years ago, I had two buddies that I worked on staff with that talked me into going bungee jumping. That was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Anybody ever gone bungee jumping before, anyone, anybody? Yes, one other lunatic in the room, God bless you. I'll never do it again, Never. They weigh you before they take you up. We were in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge. You've seen, some of you have seen that great big tower there on the side of the parkway. That's where we were. If anybody tells you peer pressure stops when you turn 18, they're lying to you. I want you to know they're lying to you. And they weigh you. And so this is years ago, and I weighed substantially more than I do now. And I stepped on those scales after they rigged me up, and I was, this is no no lie, I was one pound over the stated limit. said, if you can't. You can't jump if you weigh more than this amount. I was one pound over the stated limit. And so I looked at the guy who was running it. He was a teenager, about 16, 17 years old. Teenagers don't care if you live or die. And I said to him, I said, I guess I can't go. He said, no, those scales are broken. You're good. Everything's good. And I'm like, this is my life we're talking about here. And I started that march of doom all the way up to the top. Oh, heaven help us. One of our guys, i never forget, he Larry Nicely, he argued with the kid at the top. He said, i got seven kids at home. They really need a dad. And that kid said, hurry up and jump. People are waiting behind you. And then one of the other guys jumped. He did a somersault off the thing. People are whistling and clapping. And I thought, I am not doing that. And I heard him say, it's your turn. And I scooted out to the edge of that platform, looked down at that yellow bean bag at the bottom, and I thought, Paulie, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life. So I said, what'd you do? I grabbed that big thing and squealed like a woman all the way down. That's what I did. For real. Proud of myself. And you know what I really did? Watch. Let's review. Let's see if this sounds familiar. You know what I did? I took one step. Now, that was a big step. It was a kind you're not coming back from, you know. But I took one step. But the funny thing was, when I got to the bottom, finally caught my breath, and they unharnessed me, guess what I had to do? I had to roll off that thing, and I had to keep walking. Watch this, please. People come to a church service. They get all stirred up in an altar, and they say, I'm going to give my life to God. And they take one big plunge for the Lord. And they think, all right, that's done now. Friend, it's just beginning. Now, now's the time you've got to put one foot in front of another and keep going on for the Lord. We were talking today about William Carey, the pioneer of modern missions, on his deathbed. You know what he said? He said, I hope somebody remembers that I was a plodder. That's powerful. See, everybody wants to, to take the big strides for the Lord. you know how you do that? Keep taking little steps for the Lord, and it begins by taking one step every day in your fellowship with God. Here's the second truth. Read on. Look at verse number 15. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Now watch this. This is God's message to mature Christians. Look, we're preaching to the Monday night crowd here. Paul says, I'm in on this. Now let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Here's the second principle. Would you write it down? Number one, you've got to take one step. Number two, you've got to be willing to take new steps. He says God's going to put his finger on something in your life and say, this is something you need to take care of. Funny thing about the Lord, he knows us better than we know us. He covers things that we don't see. He has things planned that we don't know. And God's going to show you additional steps to take. He's going to show you a sin to confess or something to stop or something to begin or something to consecrate to him. Well, what does Hebrews 6.1 say? It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, let us, what, go on unto perfection. we got lots of people who keep building the foundation, building the foundation, building the foundation, but they're not going on to perfection. I dare say there's some people still struggling over their relationship with God because they won't work on their fellowship with God. They're still trying to lay the foundation when long ago they should have started building the house. They're talking about faith, but they're supposed to be adding to their faith. And I want to ask you tonight, what's the next step for you? Like arrows from heaven, the Holy Ghost shoots, shoo, 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 puts his finger on something and says, you know you've got to make that right. You know that's got to stop. You've made excuse for it long enough. Somebody says, that's just the way I am. Well, that's not the way you should be if that's not what God wants. Stop excusing your besetting sin. Stop making reasons why it's okay. And say, you know, Lord, it's time for me to bring that to you. I was preaching sometime back in a church on a Wednesday night. We had a sweep meeting, and people were praying in the altar. And there was a woman praying off to the side by herself. And I noticed her. She was weeping. One of the ladies of the church went and prayed with her. When the invitation was done, the pastor stood up and called her name. Everybody knew her. I didn't really know her, but everybody knew her. He said, Sister So-and-So, member of our church. She was a young wife and mother, probably in her late 20s, early 30s, and She's weeping, and he said she's come tonight to tell the church that though she has been saved, she's never been scripturally baptized since she was saved. And uh, he said she's going to take care of that on the Lord's Day. And immediately she raised her hand, and she said, no, sir. (laughs) And I thought, oh, brother, this is not good. She's weeping, and she said, I need to take care of it tonight, preacher. And he was kind, and he said to her, he said, well, sister, the water's cold. We haven't turned the heater on. It's freezing cold. But by Sunday, we'll have it warm. And she raised her hand again. She's weeping. And she said, you know, preacher, she said, I've lived with this for years, and if it's all the same with you, I don't want to go home without obeying God tonight. I'd just soon be baptized in freezing cold water. We all sat down and watched her get baptized in freezing cold water. Somebody says, what do you think about that? I say hallelujah to God for that. That's somebody that says, I'm tired of being stuck where I've been for so long. I'm going to take the next step to the glory of God. If you're going to go on for God, number one, you're going to have to keep taking one step every day. Number two, you're going to have to be willing to take new steps. And number three, here's the flip side of that coin. Look at verse 16. Nevertheless, where to we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Would you write down number three? You've got to keep taking the same steps. <laughs> You know what people don't want to do? They want to do the new thing. They don't want to do the old thing. You know what people do? They, they, they're willing to try some new thing that somebody recommends, but they don't want to be faithful in where they've already grown. Listen to me, please. Don't lose the ground you've already gained for the Lord. I know a man right now going through the deepest valley and greatest battle of his life. And you know what they've done? They've pulled away from the church. And I want to say to myself, that's backwards. That's backwards. You're trying to find a solution to your problem to fix all this mess that you're in, but you're pulling away from the very thing and people where God has said he wants to work. Yeah. You can't do the new thing if you won't do the old thing. Do you notice the repetition here? The same rule, the same thing. Go back to verse number 1, what Paul says he's going to tell him? He said, I'm going to tell you the same things. I say again, the same things are the same things. Don't we fail the Lord in the same areas over and over again? I mean, honestly, it's the basics, buddy. It's the basics. Go back to the basics, hit the spiritual reset button, and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to go back and do the first works. That's how you take the next step. Read on. Look at verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Then he says in parentheses, aren't you glad even God's parentheses are inspired? For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. I wish I could preach to you in just verse 18 and 19. Do you see Paul weeping? In a happy book, he's weeping. Did you know you can be broken and joyful at the same time? You don't believe me? Ask Jeremiah. He's the weeping prophet, but he said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. When you get God's heart, you get both. Paul's teaching them how to be happy, but he says these people have gone off the cliff. They're destroying their life. They're lost. But notice the contrast. He says in verse 17, follow the right people. And verse 18 and 19, don't follow these people. Number four, as you write this down, if you're going to take the next step in your Christian life, you need to follow proven steps. Proven steps. I'm in my mind now out on the old farm in West Virginia. Boy, I miss my grandpa. You know when you're young, you're dumb. You know you're dumb. You're really dumb. I'd give anything to go back and spend another day with him. I'd have asked him more questions. I would have talked about things more. I'd have sat under the cherry tree and said, tell me more about about that time in the Navy. Tell me more about when the farm started. You missed some of those things, you know. Walking with Grandpa around that farm as a boy, I remember he had great big old feet, great big feet. My feet ended up bigger than his, but they were big when I was a little boy. Now, I remember tromping through the snow in the wintertime. He had those big, long, lanky legs, and he's doing this. And you know what I would do as a little boy? I'm trying to stay in his steps. Do you know why? It was much easier in his steps than it was trying to make my own path. Let me tell you what I believe we need. We need another generation of people to come on and say, you know what? There's been a generation that's gone before us who did the right thing, and they ended well to the glory of God, and some of them are ending well right now. And instead of trying some new thing, I think what I'm going to do is follow in the proven steps. That's what I'm going to do. Praise God for a pastor that preaches the truth to you. Praise God for older saints, Titus 2, the older men and the older women who've charted a course for us. Stay on that path. I promise you, you'll never regret it. Make up your mind by the grace of God and for the glory of God, you're going to follow proven steps. And I'll give you one more, and I'll be done. Look at the end of the chapter, verse 20 and 21. For our conversation's in heaven. (laughs) Isn't this great? Isn't this great? After the journey, he leads us to the destination. Like, just keep following the trail. Stay on the path, son. Stay on the path. Because watch, please. You're about to go into Glory. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. I want to stop and say amen to that. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You know what? I don't know if I've ever noticed what a victory the last phrase of verse 21 is. He is able to subdue all things to himself. What's it coming to? Somebody says, what is this world coming to? I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. It's coming to the nail-pierced feet of the Son of God. That's what it's coming to. He will subdue all things unto himself. But Here's the principle. Number five, would you write it down? You take the next step by living every day for your last step. i to tell you how to make this day count. Live this day for the day you're going to see Jesus. Take the next step in your Christian life like it may be the last thing you have the opportunity to do before you stand before the Son of God. Let me just ask you. It is two minutes till late. What if at eight o'clock up and down, instead of me praying, we were all in the presence of a holy God? What would you like to say you had done in the last two minutes before you met Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to be ready when you stand before God and give account of your life, then that better start affecting the way you live your life today, right now. All these people want to talk about prophecy, but it doesn't change the way they live today. I say nonsense to all of that. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. If you love prophecy, you'll love Jesus. It's a purifying hope. If you're looking for the coming of Christ, you're going to live like you're looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. You begin to take every step and live every day and make every decision. Not by, do I get more money? Not by, what will others say? Not by, will I have fun? But by this, what will Jesus say when I stand before him? See, sometime real soon, the journey will be over. We're going to cross the threshold. And I wonder what Jesus is going to say about our obedience to him tonight. 1968. A young man from Tanzania by the name of John Stephen Aquari was running the marathon in Mexico City at the Olympics. He was by far the favored to win. Fastest man in the world at the time, and everybody's cheering him on. And Akwari, man, he was trucking. He was really running that marathon. And about two-thirds of the way through the marathon, he slipped and fell. Messed his leg up badly. He's bleeding. He's limping. He can barely stand up. And for a few moments, the crowd ooze and awes, and then the eyes follow the rest of the runners as they start passing him by. and Soon somebody else is the hero. That's the world. Isn't that the world? And about three or four hours after the winner crossed the line in that Olympic Stadium in Mexico City, a man with excruciating pain on his face limped into the stadium. It was Aquari. He had not been treated by a medic. He had not been seen by anyone. He was still in the race. He's limping with everything that was in him just to get across the finish line. Most people had even scattered. They weren't even there. John Stephen Aquari, with the last bit of energy in him, collapsed across the finish line. There was a reporter nearby that saw him, knew who he was, and ran over to him and said, Mr. Aquari, the winter crossed hours ago. Nobody's even here. You didn't have to finish this race. What would possess you to do this? They said that John Stephen Aquari struggled to his feet, stood as straight and tall as he could, and got right in that reporter's face and said these words, my country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. And I want to say to you tonight that the author and finisher of your faith didn't put you in this race to take a few steps and stop. He put you in it to finish the race. And by the grace of God, I don't want to coast into glory and neutral. I'd like to finish with a pedal to the metal, Saying by the grace of God, I want to do everything God wants me to do. And the heart of that Twelve-year-old boy that night, 1989, taking that step for the Lord. It was, you know, looking back on it, it may not seem like such a big deal, but it was a big step for me that night. By the way, whatever that step is God wants you to take, you may think it's small, but I tell you, it's big because your life of obedience hinges on it. And I'm thinking right now about this preacher. I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about this preacher. I don't want to lose the heart and the passion that I had that night just to obey whatever it was God told me to do. I wonder how many people will be in hell because some Christian was prompted of the Holy Spirit, give that person a track and speak a word for the Lord, and we refuse to take a step. You know what scares me? Not what we get because we disobey, but but what we miss. To think I could stand before God and the Lord say, see all these, these were all answers to prayer I had for you, you never ask. These are all blessings I had for you, you wouldn't trust me. These are all the people I want to see saved, and you never told them. And I wonder tonight, what's the next step in your Christian life? Whatever it is, I hope something in you will rise up tonight and say, I follow after. Father, I pray tonight that you'll help every last one of us to rededicate our lives to being true followers of Jesus Christ. Not for a day, not for a season, not when it's convenient, but all along the journey, all through the race, until we see your lovely face. Help us. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can help to pray for you in some definite way, please contact us. You may visit us online at enjoyingthejourney.org. I would love to hear from you today. I also hope you'll share this message with others who might also be encouraged by it. For additional full length Bible messages, visit our YouTube channel. And most of all, remember this tomorrow is the Lord's Day, Sunday is the first day of the week, and every Christian. Ought to be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church in their area this Sunday. Now, thank you so much for listening today to the Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss the Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday. May God bless you and your family and help you to enjoy the journey today.